On this episode, we sit down with Nathan and Michael Pocus, the brothers behind Domestique Coffee. We talk about their epic cycling trip to Haiti that inspired them to start their business, the many challenges they've faced over the years, and the ambitious future that they have planned for their company. It's really cool. We talk about a lot more than just coffee, though. Uh, Nathan and Michael are super cool dudes, and we were incredibly fortunate to have them stop by and hang out with us. Be sure to check us out on YouTube and everywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Heavy Ultra. We've got the brothers Pocus of uh, Domestic Coffee, Nathan and Michael here hanging out with us. Nathan, I've hung out with you a few times and kind of gotten the backstory of Domestic, but uh, why coffee? Why Birmingham? How did all this get started? Hmm. Coffee's big, cool, man. Big question. Yeah, the coffee is cool. Um, well, for me, how Domestique started was a basically a branding exercise because that was the company that I was running before this was something called Square Post Creative where I did small business branding as well as video production. And I wanted to launch this show called Pedal Earth. It's basically like an Anthony Bourdain-style show where you're visiting a country trying to explore this country's narrative, but we're using cycling as the vehicle to introduce ourselves to the people of these countries. So we went down to Haiti with a friend and rode our mountain bikes across the southern peninsula from Port-au-Prince to Jacmel, which is uh, another town, and really just fell in love with this country, and we came back and we're I was like trying to decide what I wanted to do, right? Talking about this, uh, what is branding for a company? And it's like, it's business process. It's uh, all these different factors that lead to this, to the final design that is the logo mark. And so I'm like, okay, domestique. And I started just kind of exploring with what that meant. And Michael at the time was working at Urban Standard. And so from there, it all kind of just spiraled into this well, let's do a coffee truck. And then it was, what do we do now? We don't want to just buy someone else's coffee. And so we'd just right. been to Haiti with this other project. But why a coffee truck in the first place? Because like, coffee's cool. I mean, okay. There wasn't anything at the in Birmingham at the time. Like, okay. This was 2013. I was about to say, what year was oh, this yeah. that you all had this idea? So there wasn't anything going on in Birmingham that was like that. Then we started researching like what it takes to have a food truck. And that's when we found out about the had to have a commissary kitchen, like a brick and mortar yeah. location to do anything. You can't yeah. just like get a permit and go pull up somewhere. And so we then devolved the idea into, you know, test roasting and going from there and then basically the truck idea is always kind of up in the air. Sweet. So this is before like the big food truck revolution that yeah. we've seen. It's, at this time, there was no infrastructure for food trucks, really. There weren't really those types of commissary kitchens that were available that they are now. And then the, also the health department didn't really know how to regulate it, and mm. the city didn't know how to permit it. So it was all just so early on that it left it opened up a lot of hurdles. And mm. so then we were just decided we wanted to roast, and we wanted to explore Haitian coffee because there was no one else doing anything with Haitian coffee, and we had just been there, and we wanted to really start to um, promote agricultural trade between us and Haiti, being that they were at one point the world's third um, largest exporter for coffee. Okay. So you guys, what was the connection to Haiti that you said um, for, like, starting and wanting to do Haitian coffee? Um, well, so... Haitian coffee, the connection to Haiti started with 
trying to understand what this global narrative is about a place. So everything we'd ever heard about Haiti always just revolved around, you know, what happened after a certain natural disaster, or it's just what crime is happening in Haiti, right? Or what dictatorship is going on in Haiti. It's a scary place. And we, that was, and so we wanted, uh, it, we wanted to explore if this global narrative was true. Okay. And so that's how we first started with, with Haiti. And then we, from there, we said, okay, there is this coffee product that we can get that no one else is utilizing. And we made, <clears throat> and so then we started bringing it in and we made our Haitian nitro cold brew, which is still like the best nitro cold brew you can get. Mm-hmm. And so, in my opinion, I might be a little biased. But <laughs> a little biased there, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It's totally um, fair. So, did y'all travel to Haiti? I mean, did y'all just decide to take a trip there? Now, go, go back to the, you said you were working for the production company and you wanted to do a show, like a, like so a cycling company, stuff. Yeah. It was your own company. Yeah. Okay. And you wanted to do like a show that you would put online and kind of produce it that way, or mm-hmm. you had greater plans of getting it picked up by a major network or something? Man. Big plans, huge plans. The media landscape has changed so much even since 2013. Yeah, you know, like back then you weren't you could self produce a pilot, but you still really needed to find some type of a distribution partner. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were kind of talking with, you know, different television outlets. You know, from APT all the way to National Geographic about how we were going to get this thing out there. Okay. Um, Dang, that's pretty exciting, dude. That's crazy. That's That's pretty pretty ambitious. You know, it was Um, very ambitious. Well, my, my goal for the year is to finish that documentary because I never finished it. So y'all have y'all have footage that you just haven't done oh, yeah. anything with. Oh yeah, okay. it's, I mean it's it's a it's a story that is probably going to be you know one of my life projects. You know, I'll put it out there, dude. That's I mean, awesome! Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah, it was a life changing event. I just graduated from college at UAB. wasn't like had my degree in history with a minor in film studies. So my focus was on like the documentary film and how that's kind of changed Yeah, the way learning is going to happen from like early 1900s moving onward, like how we receive information. Hey, so we had, there was a third person that went with us as well. That was kind of like our connection into Haiti. So y'all just loaded up camera gear, oh, yeah. go to Haiti and, and you're like, we're just going to, and bikes. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, we're going to bike through Haiti and create a documentary. Living version of naivete right here. Had okay. no idea. Really? Like, and I was the first one to arrive in Port-au-Prince too. And so like, I'd heard like how to deal with the airport. Never been there before. Oh no. Oh my gosh. So I'm 23 at the time. And so I'm basically just cloud nine kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, had no idea what I was getting myself into, but was basically just had blinders on and just went forward. Didn't really think anyone was going to like hurt me. Didn't think anything like that. Just like everybody was like trying to help you. Everyone's an enterprise. And so just like, once you got off the airplane, give somebody 20 bucks, help carry the luggage to the, yeah. to the truck. And then the truck takes you to the gated spot that we stayed, Haiti Communitaire, which was a really cool, uh, environmental, um, hub for the, for Port-au-Prince yeah. and everything. I don't so. know much about Haiti, but that's, uh, that sounds wild. Um, how much gear did you guys take? I mean, you guys are having to do all your own filming. I would say, oh, it was Hey, who's the third guy person that went with you? So his name is Josh Driscoll. He's from North Alabama. And kind of how we got connected to Haiti was his dad is a minister up there. And they lead mission trips every year to um, the western part of Haiti where they help build different things in their community. And they have a pretty cool relationship there. And, you know, that's not really necessarily my thing personally, but I wanted to just go on this trip and just see if I could help. Um, and then we started, then that, then the idea happened like, well, 
Josh was like, let's ride our bikes there. Let's ride from the airport to this mission trip. And we're like, hell yeah, let's do that. And uh, from there, I'm like, well, if we're going to ride, I'm going to film it. And we're going to make a show out of <laughs> okay. it. Yeah. And so, and then at this point, the idea is happening. We're, we're planning it. And then his dad's like, man, I don't want y'all on my trip. <laughs> like, you're going to like, people are going to be like confused about what you're doing. Like, they're, you're going to lead to uncertainty in my group. And we're going here for this purpose of building this school. Yeah. And so from there, we were just like, okay, well, we've already bought our airfare. We're going. We're going. Airport. We're just not going to hang out with so, you guys. Yeah. So <laughs> we just, um, you know, we, we connected with the, this guy whose name is Ben Depp. He's a photographer, but also a New York Times writer who's living in Haiti. Um, you just call him up. Hey, man, we're coming. Can we hang out with you? I mean, <laughs> just uh, Josh got in touch with him first, Josh but it was just. Off, but yeah, he got in touch with a lot of people. Yeah, so, you know, we stayed with some really amazing people there and, you know, found that Haiti, you know, as a place, is a beautiful place, you know, and the people are awesome. They're, you know, some of the friendliest people I've ever met, you know, willing to give you pretty much anything they have just to be hospitable, to be friendly. And, um, I mean, but when we're talking about the gear and the ride, like... (laughs) That just seems like such an, like, are you guys biking in between, uh, I mean, I guess you have places plotted out that you're going to stay like hostels or, Mm. or different, I mean, I don't want to say Airbnb, but like just different places to crash. We were pretty much crashing on people's like couches until we got to Jacques Mill. Couch surfing or whatever. I mean, I mean, couch surfing would be a, probably a glorification (laughs) of like, I mean, uh, what this was, but. I mean, if we talk about gear, right, as we're like doing this podcast, lots of gear around here. Sure. Um, you know, so on our bikes, we had panniers, like which are the bags on the front yeah. and on the rear, which was holding all my personal stuff. So any kind of food, water, clothing, water purifiers, that was on the bike. And so my bike probably weighed around 65 to 70 pounds by itself. And then we had a, a trailer attached to it where we had our Pelican cases. Of course, you got to have a trailer. Um, and so me being that, okay, 2013, and I want to do a high-quality film event, or, you know, production, DSLRs had just kind of come out. They weren't very high-quality at the time. So I rented the only raw digital camera at the time called an Iconoscope D2. So it had it shot on its own proprietary memory. It was a CCD sensor, and it was a little... This little thing, so super high quality, but the data rate was so massive, and so I'm thinking like, so I've had to buy a laptop, bought all these Thunderbolt drives, you know, the fastest stuff out there, and then I didn't really consider like, okay, some of these places where we staying aren't going to have any power. Yeah, I was like, how are you going to power all this stuff? <laughs> you get a, a mobile editing suite going with it. And then you in know, 2013, when you, when you take Not in the budget, when you take in the production aspects of it, plus the physical aspects of riding your bike. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Because How long were y'all planning on doing this? Like, what was the initial... Stop breathing uh, in your mic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Help me out. What was the initial um, length of time that you were planning to stay? For this trip? For this trip. Uh, I think we were there for six days. In, ha- in Haiti? Yeah. We were there for... Pretty sure we were there for like 14 days. Because <laughs> this sounds like a three-month yeah, endeavor. Like, I mean, this we, sounds like something you... Well, we it, spent time on the front and the back end of the ride. Mm-hmm, so I was thinking okay. of time that... Of the of the actual ride that we were on, gotcha. Um, 
Okay, but like a week-long thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're not going there for two months or something. Yeah, I mean, Hades, like, if you looked at it on a map and you compared it to, like, a normal bike ride around here, like, the distances weren't that far. But it was just the fact that, you know, Haiti, the name Ayati, which is, like, the Alawak Indians who are the native people there, that means the land of mountains. So it's just strict. Like, when you're at the coastline, it's just straight up. Straight up. up. Like, <laughs> 2,000 feet. You know, just these easy biking, easy. Yeah, the the first day, uh, the first ride was only 16 miles. And you talk to anyone around here, they're going to be like, that's nothing. But we did in 16 miles, Chiha twice. (sighs) That much elevation. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, With all that gear and the trailer. 100 pound bikes, because two of us had the trailers and then the other guy carried more on his bike. Okay. So we had the two of the Bob trailers for holding like camera gear. So how are you filming this? Are you like stopping every half hour to? I had a GoPro on my helmet for okay. most of the riding footage. Um, and then was there? A, did we have a little digital camera too? Mm-hmm. And y'all were like stopping and interviewing people, or just filming each other, getting B roll, well, biking yeah, around. So I mean, what was the the idea behind the actual footage you were going to get? So at each place, we kind of had a contact, and that's who we were interviewing. Okay. And so it's kind of about those places once we got there, and then the riding footage was just mostly like GoPro. Sure. Um, GoPro footage was doesn't look that good though. It's kind of a, the issue of holding something for so long is mm-hmm. you know technology has just increased immensely since we did that ride and trip. So that footage just looks kind of garbage. But <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's cool. I mean, it's still uh, no. I mean, it's it's pretty epic. But we did a lot of pushing. Okay. Not riding. Uh, I, I would imagine. <laughs> So you get through the week, you guys uh, survive, I guess, and then you have this idea where you're going to take all this footage, you're going to create a documentary. Um, at what point did the idea come to your head like, hey, we should maybe start a coffee truck and maybe we can get this Haitian coffee and sell it in our coffee truck? Well, I had just started working at Urban Standard the summer we got back. So that was February of okay. 2013. Um, and so and then in like June of that same year, I started working at Urban Standard, and then within, like, three months, I was managing the coffee program there. And, like, at that point, being – I had turned 24 then, so I just was, like, really just vivacious. I wanted to learn. I wanted to do things at that age. And so I uh, took a lot of classes with Counterculture, which was the coffee they supplied there. And so they had, like, this educational course, and one of those was Coffee Origins. Had you worked anywhere in coffee before no. this? Okay. No. Um, just – took that coffee origins class and it kind of just fit in with just my mind, the way I like to know where things come from and like why they work a certain way. And so once I found out that Haiti had like, cause while we were in Haiti, we only drank Haitian coffee because majority of it was internally consumed. So when I learned all this stuff about like coffee growing regions around the world and like they have to be in between the Tropic of Cancer and Capricorn between you know, 20 degrees North and South of the equator. And Haiti was like right in between there. And I started looking up the history of coffee there realizing there's all this French and Spanish colonial influence and the elevation was perfect for growing there. And, but like third wave coffee companies weren't using it because the quality of the quality standard wasn't up. It was very low. It was like people were buying like swag, like really bad mm. coffee. So like we've had in the last 10 years, you've seen people trying to elevate that. And then so basically every year, Haitian coffee since we've started this company it's just gotten better and better better in the SCAA like grading um, standards and everything and so like for me it was basically learning about a lot about coffee realizing that I was still very much attached to that trip to Haiti like it kept a piece of my soul there okay and so it was like I wasn't moving away from that idea yet and so I guess both of us when 
you know, we waver and not waver, but we move between ideas, you know, like a river trying to figure out where like we're going. Um, and this just basically the coffee truck kind of stuck more cause it was more tangible, a little easier to grab onto for me because I'm more of a hands-on person film and all hey, that you learned stuff. about coffee y'all just got back from haiti what was that first cup of coffee in haiti like was it like mind-blowing was it really good i mean good? it was i didn't really drink coffee other than for utility like in okay. college it was just chug it stay up write a paper yeah you know? yeah and so that was all it was and then once i started learning more about it that it's a crop that's supposed to be like cultivated in these certain regions that there's different varietals just like apples that there's all these different flavor components that go into like what you're actually tasting once i started learning all of that i was like this is awesome. And yeah. And then like knowing it's that, like fine wine, I guess, or something. Oh, I mean, exactly. And that's the, the thing that I found the most interesting was the coffee that was being grown in Haiti hasn't changed since it was first planted there like 300 years. I mean, it's, some varietals have changed, but for the most part, that's like one of the oldest varietals outside of Africa that's being grown in the world. And I think that's just cool as hell. Mm. So we're not growing any coffee here in Alabama, I guess. No. No? Okay. No. I can't just go grow some coffee Nathan in my backyard. Nathan trying to. <laughs> it got about this big. Okay. Just but the climate doesn't. The sun fried it. The sun fried it? Yeah. And, it got and then it rained and flooded it. And then the sun came back out and fried it. And then it rained again and yeah. flooded it. Exactly. And then it'll get cold and just freeze it. And then it just die anyway. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But you know, Haiti is pretty cool because, you know, one of the, or the only successful slave revolution in our, like, time really i mean that's mm -hmm. why I, I personally think that's probably why you know they continued to have so many issues so long just because they were kind of cast aside by the global powers mm. i mean no one also no one trades with you you're not going to be able to build your revenue as a country and live you yeah. know i mean you can look at cuba and see embargoes how they have these effects sure sure um, yeah i guess you guys move forward with the truck and Kind of get the business up off the ground. Um, so we never did a truck. You never did a truck? No. Okay. Because of the brick and mortar aspect. Of oh, that. yeah. So, so we were like, let's find a place to roast out of first, and then maybe we can move to the truck. And then it was, you know, all ideas morph. And so at this point, we were like, well, let's just do whole bean. And we, at that point, I was working at the Woodlawn Cycle Cafe because one of my buddies helped, like, he started that. So yeah, I was like, rest in him. peace. Yeah. yeah. And so when I was working over there, um, my buddy Will Drake was also working there, and he was testing out brioche donuts for that whole coffee, for Hero Donuts. And so we kind of like, as we were growing and like starting to start, like beginning, so was Hero Donuts. And so that kind of like helped form like a really good like alliance for like our local business structure. And so basically their growth helped us grow, and we kind of like kept going together and testing out. We did our own pop-ups with our nitro cold brew. Um, that went over really well. And then when they were doing stuff at Pepper Place, we were, they were serving our nitro cold brew because when they were going to open their first shop, they were going to, we were going to be the coffee supplier. Sweet. And so they had the nitro and then we were bringing hot coffee. And so for all of like 2016 and most of 2017, we were just like being the domestique for them, which is bringing them the coffee and making sure they're set up. And so then growing our own like yeah. wholesale practices. And now, was that the Lakeview location? Or yeah. where were you guys roasting out of? Lake, Lake that was the first brick and mortar for yeah. domestic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you guys can appreciate this because, you know, we, we signed the lease and then we put about a year and a half amount of work into this building because when you're starting something on a shoestring, you don't, one, we don't want to take a lot of financial risk on something we didn't know if we knew how to do or be successful at. So, you know, we grew up in the 
in Chelsea, so we know how to use our hands and Chelsea, use, yeah. use a saw. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so we built it out with the help of our dad, and and uh, it took a while, but finally got open and um, started roasting there. And what does it take to roast coffee? You just buy like giant coffee, an oven, Alex. I mean, duh. <laughs> I mean, you need a fire. Do you just? But what kind of apparatus do you need? Well, it depends. Being someone that so does special. That's a bigger question than you think. <laughs> okay, I would think just give me a coffee oven so I could roast my coffee. So there's two different styles. Like the most traditional style is a drum roaster, and so that uses like a gas flame, and it tumbles um, okay. the coffee, and it's basically like a dryer, um, and that uses conduction and convection heat transfer for the coffee roasting. So usually you get a lot more of abrasive like tone like light roast going to be more can be more sour dark roast can be more like ashy and smoky but what we started doing was utilizing a different method called a fluidized bed and so what that uses is hot air and a basically hot air blower it's a big glorified popcorn popper Um, (laughs) but I mean essentially you just blow hot air up through the bottom of it you keep the beans in this continuous loft and that ener- the energy transfer for that is convection, and so that is a lot less abrasive on the seed, and so you can maintain these delicate like flavors that are in those the coffees already. Um, so your light roast can be a lot more like sweet without it tasting sour, or it can be a lot it can be bolder and be more rich and chocolatey without it tasting like ashy or like burnt because you're not actually introducing like a hot like a f- actual flame to yeah. the, to the coffee. Is that more difficult to to do? Um, it's a lot more analog. Uh, currently there's like basically it's just a newer style of roasting it's kind of offsetting also like energy costs just using all electric as opposed to like a gas yeah okay so um, and for us we've just noticed a really good we just noticed a really good result from the beginning like we noticed a difference that was basically I could you could blind I could blind taste test put you the Pepsi challenge yeah I would be able to tell you what was our coffee because of that that's cool um and so generally why a lot of people do like our coffee because it lowers the acidity of, of the like levels of the roast level. So a lot of like, you know, elderly people that might have acid reflux, they don't like light roast coffee because it's too acidic. And so it kind of, that's why they like dark roast, dark roast coffee. You're cooking that out. And so it's usually a lot smoother. That's why a lot of like older people, they want dark roast. But what we've done is be like, no, you can maintain the integrity of this coffee flavor and roast in a lighter roast, but it won't act up your acid like reflux or anything interesting did not know that that's cool another kind of cool feature i like about our roaster is that it's an open system so there's this outer skin on the bean that's called the chaff and so typically on the drum roaster when the after it goes past first crack or whatever the certain temperature is the chaff will start to fall off the bean and in those drum roasters it stays in there and so you know They have some type of uh, mechanism to pull it out, but it doesn't work as well as ours. So it's like when it's light roast, you're going to get a lot of that sourness from that chaff. And then when it's dark roast, you know, that chaff burns and adds this smoky flavor to it, which, you know, some people like that. But for us, that chaff isn't part of tasting the bean. So in our system, it's all sucked out of the top. And so then you're really getting a very clean cup. So you're really only tasting that developed bean. Sweet. So where do you find this thing that you're using to do your roasting. I mean, do you, people local sell this? You go down to Restaurant Depot and no. find one of these? <laughs> <laughs> be a lot easier. No, uh, Google, uh, researching okay. kind of basically what, who created this style. Uh, the first thing we did, I mean, the first te- uh, kes- bleh, keg test that we did for our nitro cold brew, I 
we had literally a popcorn popper that roasted two ounces of coffee at a time. It took me eight hours to do our first beta test for this nitro cobra and it was so good was it <laughs> we decided to start That's a company commitment yeah okay. no, i mean for real it was such a good result that we were like all right hell i guess we'll just do this you made know? sure you had a good product before yeah, you, you just jump right, right in yeah, yeah. well because i had no names will be d disclaimed here but i had a competitor's nitro cold brew at the time and i had we had yet to test ours like we were in the middle of letting it infuse before we had it and so we went and tried someone else's and it was not good Really? It was just really sour and just not good. And I'm like, I looked at Nathan, I'm like, or actually this was our other friend Jared at the time. And I was like, is this what we're making? Is this what we're about to do? This is do people like this? Like, this is good. garbage. Yeah. And so like my first impression of another person. So that's why when I say like, when Nathan says like, we have some of the best, it's because like we tested and people have changed. There's a lot of other issues that go into that. It's not the coffee. A lot of people didn't realize that it, it's the gas. It has to be on like a certain has to be a nitrogen gas. If it's nitrogen oxide, which is what people use in like Guinness, NO2, that O is going to make it oxidize and sour. So you have to just have pure nitrogen in, in the coffee because that act, helps act as a preservative in it as well. I need a degree that's in a chemistry lot. to that's do a lot. coffee, yeah. man. Come well, on. no, I mean, that's one of those that's things crazy. where it's like, I don't, I forget how much like stuff we dove into to even create this until I'm how many rambling. How many coffees do you now currently serve? We have six... We have seven single origins, but one is currently not on the market. Okay. Um, now, do these coffees that you get from, I would assume, all over the world, different places, um, are there times of the year where you just can't get it? Or is this pretty steady supply that you're able to provide? Um, it depends on the region, like you said. Um, for us, we work directly with a few farms, and so that helps uh, solidify like our product and what we can get. So like Guatemala, Haiti, um, Dominican Republic those three we can pretty much get all the time but get a lot of hurricanes though and stuff yeah. like that so well so you know the the throughout the year there's like certain certain harvest months and so okay. what happens is between november and february uh that's pretty much what how central and south america is so the uh, once you're once you get that processed and shipped then it's just sitting in a warehouse in north america um what's the shelf life how long can it just sit in the shelf well, the there's a lot more science that goes into that now lately. <laughs> this uh, seems tough, man. man there's so many things. It's, but I will say it's usually you don't want coffee sitting until the next harvest. Like you want to take it per year. I mean, you can have coffee sit two years, green coffee in its green form okay. for about two years. But that's longer than I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's also people introducing different kind of yeast strains to help like preserve those green coffees as well. They're kind of seeing that. Coffee might be going down the route of like being affected by climate change, or there might not be as much to be produced in the coming years. And so they've just started to like really focus on how do we preserve as much as we can for right now and how can we make that last longer. Yeah. Um, and so that's been like a lot of recent technology going on. But I mean, yeah, you usually, I mean, as a capitalist company, we want to, we want to <laughs> sell it as soon as we get it. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can get more. But, uh, you know, it's also good to help the farms because we like to pay like, livable wages like you know fair trade sustainable yeah fair trade direct trade or like hot terms and everything but i mean we definitely pay a high price for our coffee like we make transparency reports for our employees and our wholesalers to clients to see like just why your coffee costs this much right because you know the this current c market while it's the highest it's been in a while it's still only like a dollar 25 a pound 
Okay. So for us, our cheapest coffee that we get is $3 a pound. And that's, you know, that's one of those ones that's like a workhorse coffee that goes into blends and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Most of our other coffees are like the same price that you can find a bag of roasted coffee in the grocery store from some of like the big name cheap coffee companies. You know, like the... That Alabama grown coffee. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's super respectable though to be so transparent about it and not just like... I don't know, to be upfront about it. Like, yeah, we're not just Trying gouging profit, you for, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because you guys think, like, there's a customer at the end of that that has a budget, and if they're not compelled right. to spend that money on something, then, like, who are we to right, make right. you, you know, like, you got to just tell them the truth as to why it costs a certain price. If it's not in your budget this month, maybe save for something better if this is something you value. Yeah. And we value, like, that aspect of our company because... You know, we want we like being a part of a global industry. Yeah. You know, it's one of the high, second highest consumed goods in the world behind tea. So it's you know we gotta respect the people that grow it, process it, ship it. You know, like Absolutely. roast it, yeah. like serve it. It's a big chain, and it can get really screwed up <laughs> in anywhere along that. Chain. That, that was my next question. Have you guys had any big hiccups in the time that you guys have been doing this company? COVID. Well, COVID, obviously, yeah. Um, uh, apart from COVID, uh, I mean, or, how, or how did how did COVID affect? Well, COVID being like the virus that we all dealt with, and the cafe side of things was super hard. But then, sure. obviously, like I guess more on the the line of just getting product. To yeah, sell. now it's like the logistical side of it, where all of a sudden you start having these huge bottlenecks at the ports, you know, so goods that should have been in already through customs taking two months, mm-hmm. right, uh, past their expected expected arrival time. You know, our bag supplier, you know, those things are coming over from China. So it's just like all of a sudden, you know, we see a massive, like, loss in our cafes, but all of a sudden, like, grocery store sales are way up. But, you know, when grocery stores go way up, that exceeds our – our normal averages of the, of our back stock of raw materials like bags and labels. And so then we're trying to rapidly increase that supply. And then all of our suppliers are out of stock. So we, we can't meet the demand on this side of the business where we can actually maybe cover our costs because people are buying in the grocery stores, but we don't have the goods <laughs> to fulfill. So like that is stressful. There was stressful. a lot of pivoting <laughs> that had to happen. So when that was going down, we basically had to like pull. So what little stock I had, I had to pull just for grocery stores. And then like all online, like, cause our e-commerce went up a decent sure. amount during that time. And so like I was using these, like, I don't know if you know what these are, but it's like, if you have like deer meat or something, you have those vacuum sealed yeah. like, clear yeah. bags. We went to Target and bought a vacuum sealer and some of those bags and just were vacuum sealing coffee bags and putting them in the mail. Oh man! Um, and I mean that it worked. It worked for you got to do as what you got to do, man. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the turnaround for bags was like a month and a half. Yeah, That's crazy. Like, that was a long, long time to in that time frame because it used to be a, a week. Yeah. So, right. Yeah, we were probably doing three thousand retail bags a month at that point. Are you guys like having like a cafe style place where people can come consume coffee at that Lakeview location, or are y'all mainly just like? distribution like getting it into other restaurants and other places where people consume it yeah so our original outlet was just finding wholesale clients and grocery stores um, to start selling our coffee we'd always intended on converting our roast facility into a cafe 
um, or at least a tasting room, but we were then presented with the opportunity to take over satellite at Saturn. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, that's, that's cool. Um, happening venue. <laughs> I mean, so I've played music in Birmingham since I was 16, like local shows, Cave Nine, Firehouse. Cave Forge. Nine, baby. Yeah. All those times. So like I kind of knew Brian Teasley from that world and I hung out like at Bottle Tree a lot. So we, he, we were aware of each other. Okay. And then, and then when I went, I quit the Cycle Cafe in 2017, and we were about to um, start, like, really, like, go full online for Domestique, get legal and all of that. I took a month-long trip to just kind of, like, clear my head from everything and come back, and they had offered me a job to work at their cafe um, when it was still run by Saturn. And so just talking with him about everything, he approached us kind of because he knew what we were doing and everything, and there were some other powers that be that I was about to say, was he in talks with any other suppliers? Well, they were serving stump town. And so some of the other entities of Saturn, um, basically didn't want to do a daytime thing anymore because there's like a liability aspect with the liquor and every, like being a, Mm. being a bar. Yeah. And so what they did is they were going to take that completely out of the component, but Brian didn't want to do that because he really values, the Avondale community and like the neighborhood and wants to offer something more than just a late night venue. Yeah. He yeah. wanted, he wanted like full day, like basically a circus going on. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, you know, when he approached us, he was like, yeah, there's, you know, here's an opportunity. They want us to, you know, get rid of this, but we like y'all, we like what you're doing. And, you know, maybe we can negotiate something to where you just like sublease the facility out and, you know, we hire the employees, pay the employees and, so y'all fully run it. I guess I didn't know that. I thought y'all were just like, yeah, we're going to bring them in to sell coffee. But it's Right, still... that's what I thought. No, see, and most people do. That's, that's so, pretty wild. I didn't know that. That's been one of the biggest hurdles as like a brand to like get over for for us. It's because we've wanted to be like, this is, we're our own self in this. You know, we are satellite. But it's also like, but we're not because we're not the bar. Right. We're just this one side of the bar. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so that's Yeah, it like, gets a little muddled, I it, guess. You yeah. Know, you got so much going on in one space. Exactly. So. That's why, I mean, it's literally a space station with all different countries operating <laughs> inside of it. It all um, makes sense. But, you know, we had that really good opportunity and, you know, we weren't necessarily wanting to do a cafe, but... We were like, we got to try I mean, this. It was least. a golden yeah. opportunity, to, exactly. Because you got a lot of foot traffic, people coming in anyway. Equipment cost. I mean, we didn't have to pay for anything other than the labor and to like do a few tweaks and learn the like get our POS system put in our like business entity's name and all yeah. that like random stuff. Where like basically for us was the best trial to see how we would like uh, be as a cafe. Yeah, and you know we did not do that great in the beginning. People were like shocked as to like the change. Okay. Um, but I mean, <laughs> you're serving coffee in here. Well, we just what changed. We changed on? certain practices. We weren't like you know we wanted to kind of bring domestique into there and not just be. We had to make a statement because it was we weren't trying to recreate what had been there. Hmm. You know, we are our own company that has our own vision about coffee and how things should be prepared and presented. So yeah. You know, people who talking were, about Stumptown being there before you guys. Yeah, Stumptown, but all then also just the menu items, operational processes. You know, we decided, you know, maybe the pricing wasn't right, right? That's how, why it wasn't working the first point. Or so y'all come in and just kick down the door and you're like, <laughs> domestic is here. <laughs> well, and then within a month, February of 2018, there was a damn fire. Oh, and So we yeah. were closed for a month after 
our first month of trying. So people were like, yeah. what's going on? So well, we, they just put, uh, I just saw like the security footage of the flood that happened as a result. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. When it just flooded the whole Ruined building? everything. Ruined yeah. everything. And we yeah. just committed. There's a lot of stuff to ruin in there too, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had just committed to our first ever employees. Yeah. I mean, we just took all of these employees on at that round in January. And then all of a sudden in February, there's a fire. We can't be open. What was the fire? Uh, Maybe I'm not up to speed on that. Dishwasher in the dishwasher upstairs malfunction, yeah, faulted. And just, oh, dude. So don't leave your dishwasher, dishwasher on when you're running because that, apparently that's like the number two cause of all house fires. Or, can we cut this short uh, so I can go home? And, uh, <laughs> I'm not to I'm say, kidding. dude. I'm kidding. <laughs> the dishwasher of all things. Dude, it was I the, just don't associate that it was with the house fire. blackest black you'd ever seen. Like there was no, I guess, was it carbon or any, like there was nothing else to be burned at that point. You could like, de- a, like anything oxygenated yeah. had been. Yeah, you could walk in. You could say, "Up, oh, that's where it started." Oh, okay, I mean, like, it does not take it. It was like a looking degree. into a black hole. There was no light. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, but you know, from that, I'm always interested in trying like new business models. Like that's kind of what I like to do. That's what is interesting. So we weren't licensed to sell coffee like retail at our roast facility. You know, we're approved as a food production facility not as a food serving facility. Um, So the best way to move forward a lot of times, hopefully City's not watching this, uh, is enter the gray area of life, right? Okay, (laughs) all right. Um, So we were trying this idea where if you came into our space, we were charging by the hour. So it was like $10 an hour, you could get all the coffee and food you wanted that we had there. So we had fruit options, and we had our espresso machine. I don't think I've ever been to any coffee place that offers a Bob the Hour. Because um, you're not familiar with the gray That's area, crazy, Alex. dude. Okay, that's, so, that's very – you guys are very ambitious in pretty much everything you've tried. Like, most people are like, I'd like to open a little coffee shop. Y'all are like, we're going to import coffee from a place that nobody imports it, and we're going to sell it all over the place. Anyways, so <laughs> – It's because we're crazy. <laughs> you pay an hourly – and then you come in and drink all the coffee you want. Well, that was during the that I don't know if you that February when we were closed. When you closed, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So and so then, you got to think outside the box. You're selling time. You're not selling the good. That's right. So, and that means anything you have in there, you're just you just have it. It's yeah. not it's not for sale. So there's no regulation into how it's prepared. Okay, well, that's cool. Smart. That's really smart. Well, when you when you look at the economics behind a, a shop, you know customers want to drink coffee in the Taj Mahal. They don't want it more than $3, and they want to stay there for five hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> Just the experience. And they want there. the Wi-Fi password. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So $3 for five hours in a, in a build-out that is, you know, in some people's worlds, you know, a million-dollar build-out. Mm-hmm. That's just hard to make that work, yeah. you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've had, like, for us, you know, we're all self-funded, if you don't exist for five years, a bank's not going to touch you. So you have to really, you have to find efficiencies in everything you do, you know, because every good you buy has to be funded by revenue or something. So um, it's just growth is slow when it's organic like that. But you know that when you're doing it and you get to a certain point that you actually have like your community support because you wouldn't be there without yeah. building those revenues through their support, you know, because no one yeah. gave us that money to get started. Yeah. So Domestique, the idea behind the name, um, 
it's my understanding that domestic is a is like a cycling term of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the idea there? I mean, obviously, you guys are big into biking. You go and try to bike through Haiti. It sounds like one of the hardest places to possibly so, ride a bike. But you can see the logo is on yeah, the, pull on it the, up, on the okay. screen. Yeah. Um, you want to do the main page? No, that's fine. Just right there, that little logo up top. So, yeah. So, when thinking about what is domestique, domestique is, in French, it's, you know, the helper. Um, when applying it to cycling, it's the guy in the team who is, you know, working for the team leader. They're the ones going back to the team car, you know, getting the food, getting so the So the domestic is a person mm-hmm. or as a team member. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the person who is typically doing most of the work without getting the glory, right? So if you think about what we're Sign doing... Me up. If you're yeah. talking about what we're doing in coffee, right? Most of the work is done by the people at the farm. Yeah. You know, they're defining a majority of the variables that lead to the end product's quality. Yet, when you come to a shop, you're probably only going to think about coffee from the barista and how they prepared it to your cup. Yeah. And so, like, we want to, like, why we started when we first did with all of our coffees being single origins, those were, we did it that way so that each coffee speaks to the place in which it came, right? Kind of going back to that Petal Earth idea, of exploring the narrative of a place. You know, our coffee, our Haitian coffee is, it tastes the way it does because of the people who grew it, because of the soil conditions, the altitude conditions, the varietal of the plant. And so all of those conditions are specific to that place. And so that's why we really like to, you know, speak about single origins and how that relates to our products. Mm. Awesome. Um, it's real. It's not just like some gimmick. Oh, this sounds cool. Like, let, like yeah, dude, I can tell. I it's, can tell you real. guys are really passionate about yes. this. Like for sure. Like the way you speak about coffee is like, I hope to love something that much. Um, <laughs> heavy ultra, come yeah. on. Uh, so you dude, guys are it's sick. So when you're in, you're in with the domestic. Aside from the fact that you had a giant flood that put you out of the game for a little while. Um, when, when was the next? How many locations do you guys have currently? Counting the Rose Facility 3. 3. Okay. So the one in Five Points, um, which is, uh, what's the name of that one? Domestic Panache. Panache. Okay. I don't Panache. want to mess that up. That's a cycling word. Okay. It means what, what does that flare. mean? Flare. It's like, I have much Panache when I ride. You know, you may not is that, be. Is that a good way to use that term? <laughs> he went out there with a lot of Panache. Yeah. Oh, okay. He may cool. not have won the day, but he rode with Panache. He rode with He Panache. excited the race. I hope you know? that I live my life with Panache. <laughs> Strive to do that. Um, when did the Five Points location come into play? Like when you guys, uh, they kind of redeveloped that whole area. Y'all were in on the ground floor, I guess, when they started doing that kind of like back alley. Uh, yeah, we were, there were some delays in the construction. We were supposed to be open early 2019. Um, but yeah, we basically just got pushed back uh, until December of that of that year. Um, and it's been a really interesting endeavor to open, you know, we opened a business the worst time they say to open a business, sure. which is like winter time. And then three months later, this little thing called COVID came around three months later, a little thing called COVID comes around. Like we were just seeing some little inkling of a light in March. And then it was like, Oh, well, you know what? Nope. <laughs> and <laughs> we had to close. Uh, then basically had to pull ourselves out of a hole 
because it was just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, you're committed at that point, but yeah, you don't have any customers far. coming in. It just seems like that'd be a very stressful time for opening a new business and yeah. trying to stay afloat, you know, while doing all the other things that you guys are doing. I mean, luckily there was some ingenuity with like some stuff that Nathan, some ideas that Nathan had with the founder's card and everything to kind of keep some income rolling in. And then as well as just like federal aid for yeah. small businesses and everything. Those PPP loans helped us like keep people on and staff. But I mean, we pretty much stayed closed Rest of March, all of April, and then I think we opened Panache back in May, and then Satellite in June or July of 2020. So. Well, it's good to see that everything's starting to open back up. Um, get, what get sets? Vaccinated. Yeah, I know. Um, Please. What sets Panache apart from? Now, did you ever do a cafe at the Lakeside Lakeview location? No. Okay. Nothing that was I, consistent. I feel like, yeah, I did see some things where you like, come hang out, you know, and we got the front open. Y'all did have like a little, and then y'all had like shows there and stuff where you've mm-hmm. had bands and stuff play. Um, I didn't know if you ever created like a permanent cafe situation at the Lakeview location, but I guess not. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Did they ever finish those uh, condos that burned down? Dude, they're coming up, man. Finally. I think that was... Uh, Oh, that did. was insurance fraud, but you know. Yeah, it oh, it one hundred percent was. The, oh, yeah. The ATF was there. We spoke with them. They said really? they found accelerant. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the new apartments. There's some apartments in Lakeview, right across from like Los Amigos. Yes, and yeah. They burned down. They yeah. burned down two sections of them that were closer to like the sidebar side of Lakeview. Those, those when two. did that happen? It was like 20. It was like a major fire. It was all over the internet. I do Man, not remember crazy. that at all. Yeah, yeah we were uh, that night. We finished at the roast facility and we walked over to Brat Brat. And Michael said, Wow, it's the sky's smells- orange. <laughs> no, he said, He said, It smells like arson. And literally that night, the freaking place burned down. It was wow. crazy. Like, it was he, like the whole second section they had built. <laughs> Um, but I mean, yes, I do remember reading in the news that they said they found accelerant and there was somebody on, it was clearly arson, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I guess they never proved like true fraud. Obviously they got their insurance money and they're, yeah. they're building right back up. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at Los Amigos today, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's like, I like, I like the change. I'm getting Just hungry. A little sidebar here. The Los Amigos location change has been good for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's cool. So what's next for domestic? And I mean, obviously, we're kind of on the tail end of COVID. Hopefully, the Delta variant doesn't ruin our lives all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anything new in the works that you guys have going on? Well, I like, that you're willing to speak to. <laughs> I mean, this has already been public knowledge. I've done pitches on this, so it's like we like big ideas. We like things that are really Clearly. hard to do. <laughs> yeah. So what we're trying to do is. Okay, let me, let me, I'm going to say how I can phrase this. Uh, okay. Um, Get ready for whatever you're about to drop on me. So if maybe if you go to domestique.co on your browser there, Tim. Domestique.co. So really, as you come, as we start to evolve our business, you know, you'll start to just call us domestique. Mm-hmm. Um, coffee is what is our culture I and mean, what is connects us. Um, but we're building what we think will be the next generation of cafe, which is going to be EV destinations. So, okay. When you're trying to charge electric vehicles, there is currently only, um, you know, charging stations with no amenities. So, oh, you know, yeah, you're just in an empty lot with a bunch of other people parked just on your iPhone. Exactly. Yeah. So, what we hope we're going to be 
is like the pilots or loves travel stop for EV cars. Let's go, dude. Um, Let's go. But it's going to be high end, and each station will be generating power on site. Damn, that's so cool. Tim, so, go back. Go back to that? I was looking at that. Because it showed the it, building. Explain that. You said <laughs> each one will be... Yeah, that's a nice photo. There we go. This site isn't really live. This is just kind of my pitch website to because we're trying to raise money currently yeah. to do this because um, this is not something you can self-fund. Surely. I <laughs> no, mean, no, yeah, like look this. at that little... Uh, yeah, no, that, no. Head drawing you guys have in the background looks pretty rad. So you know this is this is already these are construction set documents. So we're ready to basically go on on this build out if once we get funding. But this is what we call FS one, which is our full service station. Um, it's going to have a fast casual restaurant in there, which is going to be a menu that is inspired by our farm destinations. Um, so we know we've done these dinner series called taste the source, which was kind of an idea, which was a beta test to kind of validate our ability to do food. Mm -hmm. Um, adding in the coffee component that we've been doing, you know, will exist here. Um, and then having these, all these locations are app connected. So you'll build your user profile with us. We know what kind of vehicle you have. And when you, so when you're arriving, it'll tell you go to bay two, whatever you'll pull in. And then you'll plug in your car and you'll get your, you know, our system charges in 18 minutes. And so that's a perfect amount of time to eat, get a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Maybe like with this new world of, um, you know, living wherever, you know, basically like you can telework. Um, our facilities will kind of have that ability to, you know, you can stop for an hour if you want. Um, kind of get your work done as you're traveling. Yeah. And so utilizing our distribution network, like we're already distributing to, to Charleston through Hero Donuts. Um, so we're starting to kind of um, plan these stations along our existing distribution route so we can then fulfill them as we go. Um, and then hopefully our our own delivery fleet will start to transition to EV because we're building the infrastructure in which we'll be able to facilitate that distribution through. Yeah. Um, that sounds so incredible. Um, do you guys have like, oh, I have so many questions. Where's the first, do you guys have a plan for like the first location you're going to try to break ground on? Or what's the timeline for this? I mean, like, is he, are you still ASAP. just in the planning phase of this? Or He's, how he's pitching it right now. <laughs> Heavy Ultra, if you're interested, you can invest today. Yeah. Um, the timeline really, I mean, we're hoping, to, I'm hoping to have four locations done in the next three years. Wow, um, Dang, I can't really give too many more details about where we want them, where we sure. want them to be. But I can tell you, we're looking for exits where nothing exists. Mm -hmm. Part of our idea is that you know we want to create spaces that are private, or don't have gas stations, Taco Bells near them. Um, we also want to preserve land when we start to build these things because it fits within the ethos of our company. Yeah. You know, sustainability is like our number one goal. So you don't want to be in a Walmart parking lot or anything? Dude, <laughs> nobody wants to be in a Walmart parking lot. That's so cool. <laughs> That's why I can't even wrap my brain around that. Like I've been um, trying to for three years. Like okay, the, like the charging. I told you we're crazy, dude. Okay, so like the you have to be man. <laughs> um, the charge bay. You you've got it nailed down that you'll be able to charge in eighteen minutes. Like, do you know what kind of system you're going to use, or, or or 
facilitate yeah. in? So we so part of this planning has been me building partnerships. Um, so there's a, a charging hardware company that we've been talking with um, that's going to allow us to fulfill that rapid demand. Okay. Um, or that rapid fulfillment, I guess. I don't have an electric vehicle, so I'm kind of out of the loop as far as like what a typical charge time for a normal sedan electric vehicle is. <laughs> I feel like it's gotten pretty good though. Here, 18 minutes. Is that the standard, or is that you're breaking that's, ground? That's pretty fast. That is fast. And this is gonna be yeah. These will be superchargers. Superchargers. So, All right. And all of our locations that we've plotted out are within 120 miles of each other. So you should. So what we're what our pitch is? Hey, automakers, if you're listening, uh, we are trying to eliminate range anxiety for your customers. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you think of the complete lifespan of a product or the complete user flow of a product, you think about this old mini DV camera, right? Like you had to understand how you plug that into Firewire or whatever it was. What was the transfer rate you needed to get onto your computer? So all these different steps of how of what the customer has to do to actually utilize your product. You know, the auto industry has the car, but they don't have anything else currently. And so hopefully we're going to provide the hospitality side of that you yeah. know, for this new new mode of transportation. Because well, you know. Mercedes is a big listener of this, so they'll they'll be reaching out to you. <laughs> but you guys know, I mean, you guys grew up in film in production, so you saw probably. I mean, you're about my age, so you saw yeah. the transition from professional filmmaking being on film cameras to now being on digital cameras, right? If you think about the car as the same thing as a camera, the function is the same, but all the steps, like if you're trying to acquire an image right every single process step before acquiring acquiring the image completely changed you have all those existing companies kodak fuji all you know they still exist but in a novelty way they don't really have the market share that they did because they weren't able to make that transition Mm -hmm. while the goal of capturing an image was always the same the goal of the car is still the same you're still trying to go from a to b but every single thing that made up that whole process is now different yeah. And so people are like, how's a gas station going to exist? Well, they still have to, or how's a gas station not just going to transition to take this business, you know, after you've already started to build these things? Well, a gas station is not going give, to give up their prime real estate for 10 EV cars mm-hmm. when still right now a majority of their business is gas and they have to be focused on gas cars. Yeah. So we're going to get out in front of it um, and build destinations that people actually want to go to. Yeah, because you see them now, you're parked outside of a mall or you're in like the backside of a parking lot. Or, or next to a hotel or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it sucks. And this it, is awesome. This it, is awesome. I have a movie theater screen that pops up. Well, and, th- and this right here is what we only got 18 minutes. Not? Sky's the limit, man. This is it. our intermediate stop. Okay. Dang, that's so cool. So we have, I'm just going to put it out there. You can cut this out. But we have our three-node process or three-node system. So you have source which would be our city center locations, which will all be adapted to have charges, charging stations in them. So Panache, Satellite, HQ. This is intermediate. So from the source to wherever you're trying to go, you need to stop in 120 miles, eat, use the bathroom, charge your car, and then destination partners. So things that you would book through our app because you know it's going to be EV compliant for where you want to go. Partnering with hotels or, or different, yeah, exactly. destination Yep. So all that will okay, exist on the app. It. So if you're trying to go anywhere in an EV vehicle, you'll Boom. be booking it through us. That's so Domestic. smart. That's so smart. 
Um, I wish other people. So had it'd be a lot more. Like it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> well, because you eliminate all the other factors. It's all right here. Boom, it's done. Where are you going? Oh, you're going here. You can stop here and here. It, I love it. So I'm like, on. I'm on board. <laughs> it's the early stages of Amazon going from just being a book company to just taking over the world to go to space. Yeah. Ex- except hopefully our company values of supporting communities everywhere in the world, paying people a livable wage, you know, tra- like stays with our growth, oh, right? Yeah. We establish those values yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, you're on the right track. Yeah. Because what do you want in life, right? You want experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I want. I mean, a number in my bank account is great for security's sake, I guess, but like I just want access to amenities. Mm-hmm. And if you schedule access, then there's when you start to eliminate the need for ownership, a lot more people can use those resources. It's pretty intense. It's heavy stuff, man. It's crazy. <laughs> heavy ultra. That's yeah. right. That's right. So what is your take on all this? I mean, in, <laughs> I, in the, I, how is the business structure? Your CEO, your co-CEOs? I'm COO. COO. I mean, that's all okay. technical jargon. Um, but, I mean, you know, we both It's just y'all's, like, the brothers. Yeah, okay. we, we run it. I'm more of the, like, down-to-earth um, person. <laughs> I try to make sure that coffee gets from coffee gets from A to B and okay. that, our, that our clients are happy. He's already and, like, all right, yeah, we're we're – you got to have rocket ship. That's how, that's progress. Yeah, the the duality. It's is a great dynamic. So like, but I mean no, I mean I've I've like I said I've literally he's been on this for three years. Like I kid you not, this has been an idea that's been in the pipeline that I've heard him talk about. I've been the pitch. I'm like now like pitch calloused. <laughs> so every time I hear it, I'm just like sure, cool, it, sure, great, okay. oh it's awesome, love it. But I mean I'm all for it. I think that it's definitely the direction that the world needs to go. And I think for us to grow as a company, like for what we really want, I think that's a good, it goes with our ethos as far as like how we can just better now, the world. <laughs> are you focusing more on this project versus say opening more stores and locations in, in different places? I know you guys are going to Charleston with Hero. Um, are you just kind of following Hero wherever they expand to? Well, we just have a partnership with them. Okay. We're, we're essentially the coffee for right. Hero. So wherever Hero, you, whatever Hero you go to, you're going to have Dumas Tea Coffee. So wherever they go, it's going to be Dumas Tea. And where are they located? So currently, uh, Homewood, uh, Park Railroad Park here in Alabama. Here then, in Alabama, but then it, there's one in Summerhill in Atlanta, which is by the old Ted Turner Field, and then there's this new one in Charleston, which okay. is on Calhoun Street, which is kind of like right in the middle of yeah no charleston's the, awesome. the thick of things uh but they have a good their growth model is you know kind of old kind of old world they want to basically inundate the market they want to they're trying to you know, go go for that model and for us that's big for our wholesale production team and for our wholesale production in general but you know we have cafe and we have wholesale right so we're you know essentially providing our own coffee for ourselves but then we're also providing for a multitude of clients you know, you can find us in all the Whole Foods in the state. We have clients in Huntsville, Montgomery. So it's like we're we're doing what we can, but I, I, I'm I more making sure that train is going and that we have coffee because at sure. the end of the day, coffee is it's the bread, butter, bread butter. butter we're doing right now. <laughs> That's a lot to, to – to how big is Domestique as far as your team goes? We have thir- 12 people. Not including, or does this include like people that you see behind the bar at your cafes? This is everybody. This is everybody. Yeah, that's cafes, and that's including us. (laughs) Thirteen people. That's a lot to do with. uh, I guess that's a relatively small team. I guess we have. I I would okay. We have like sixteen because three. We have three people that are kind of like on retainer to help us with like more of like 
app development, which I don't really consider them full time as much. Sure. Yeah. But they kind of help us are helping with more of that. And then we have like a consultant who's out of um, Colorado that we meet with uh, every week. And then his wife, Krista, is our graphic designer. You know, they're okay. not they're not really full time employees or on like real payroll, but they're a part of like the contracting. Team. Right, right. Yeah. And so yeah, I would jobs. say like in that regard, yeah, still only like sixteen people. Wow. So that's pretty awesome. We um, have to grow. I mean, I love creating jobs. I mean, it's been that's been one of the coolest things of this like being able to offer somebody who might because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, like he gave me like kind of a little bit of a lane to draft into and then now I'm like realizing that we can do that for other people mm-hmm. you know that get out of college when the job market's not really that great I mean yeah we he graduated when there was that 2008 recession you know at college there was no jobs you got to create your own damn job you had a lot of challenges man. and so it was like we just you know for us it's like now had given the opportunity like I want to create career paths for people that you know like I didn't think I had for myself and so it's been that's been really that's what I'm looking forward to with that so that's awesome um, one thing we didn't talk about, you guys had a small, what do we want to call it? It was a shipping container in Northside that was kind of like a grab-and-go style venue. Quick, you know, obviously a lot of people just headed to work, run in real quick. It's almost like an on-tap type deal yeah. with your nitro brews or something or with everything. The Outpost. Mm-hmm. The outpost. Yeah, the Outpost. Um, we were, that was kind of a... That's not there anymore, though. So that was just an experiment to kind of test what a self-serve coffee concept could look like. How long did that go on for, I think that, that was, experiment? That was about three months. Because yeah. we started in October, and it was over at Christmas. So about two months and some change. Now, it wasn't your shipping container, right? It was like another company set up some shipping containers, and they're like, we're going to lease it out to mm-hmm. different businesses for what three month increments i guess yeah it's like rev birmingham um they were just trying something new yeah they kind of were doing these things they're trying to like they were trying to open up access in other like parts of birmingham trying to bring more like walkable retail traffic and they had done one of those at railroad park and then this yeah okay i remember seeing that and that was like it was the same container but i think it was like a candy store or something and or and then there was another one that had like so make a bank on that container just moving around the city hey we'll lease this out i mean we did most of the build out for like you know the taps and all that stuff in there like we had six different taps right or was it eight it was something gnarly it was that was cool we actually say how'd that go I mean, it, don't do a cold brew box when it's getting cold in Alabama. Okay. Yeah. So back to sales kind of okay. dip down a little bit. Back right? to gray zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the gray zone. We want to get you a t-shirt. That says I wanted gray zone. to only serve items that were packaged externally, so everything that's made at our roast facility, so that there was no food preparation on site. Right. So you don't have to have a special license to. Right. Okay. I and you. so we came up with something I thought was pretty cool. Um, to offer hot coffee because there was no fall this year, that year. It went immediately from like too hot for our, the employee to be in this container because the air conditioner couldn't keep up to being like freezing outside in like <laughs> a day. And it was crazy. Um, so we came up with a, what do we call that? It was like a cold brew Americano. Yeah, we called it a cold, cold brew, brew Americano. Americano. Okay. So it was our cold brew concentrate on draft. And then you would dilute it with hot water. So that you could get yourself a hot coffee with the caffeine of a cold brew. 
Super smooth. Wow. Uh, is anybody else doing that? Is that a common thing you find in coffee shops? I've never seen anyone do I've never do that. heard of that before. It sounds super efficient and yeah. easy, though. Uh, why wouldn't more people do that? Yeah. Because you got a hot coffee brewer. I mean, <laughs> and that was more. But they're like, doing it themselves. Yeah, yeah, but leave it to them to do themselves. They're going to give themselves too much cold liquid, and then the coffee's not hot enough, and then they got to pour the product out, and then they got to do it again, and then they don't want to pay for so that. So there's an element of, of learning on the user end to yes. make sure you don't get a bad cup of coffee. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I guess you'll spell it out instructions, or you have somebody there that's kind of we like, had a here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we had an attendant that would kind of like walk you through as you walked in. You'd get your... First time, here's how you do it. Okay. Yeah, so it was just like any drink you wanted. I mean, you could go down and just put a little bit of each one. You know, <laughs> That's what to say. Because the cup was the cost. What do they so... call that? A hurricane when you get yes. everything? Suicide, right? Suicide, yeah. yeah. Um, Psycho. You ever have anybody come in there with like a bucket? I was like, I'm loading up for the whole week. Home Depot bucket. <laughs> Let's go. I wish. I wish. Yeah, that would have been We would have made some money, yeah. man. No, no, no one really brought their own vessels. I mean, it was... Was that allowed? Could I bring my own, like, thermos mm-hmm. and stuff? You were cool with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, we just needed to know the ounce, and we just had to b- buy the ounce. Okay, okay cool. So, it's a 16-ounce cup. So, nobody exploited it too much, I would hope, other than not mixing it right and just dumping it out. Yeah, but see, like, ah. and that was fine because that was just trial and error, and we didn't really... We had to pivot because it was like it got cold, and no one was wanting cold coffee. Yeah. And so, I was like, well, we have this hot water tower. Let's put it in here, and then just had to figure out the right ratio. And then once we did that, it was fine. So Would y'all do it again? Not in that form. Not in that form. That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think the Outpost is a cool idea, but I feel like it should just be more of an actual cafe. Just have a little mm. one group espresso machine in there, have one person just like... Dishing out, out drinks, drinks. Yeah. Yeah. and then that way you can't screw it up. Yeah, you can get hot, you can get cold. I mean, and also the self-serve aspect... That like, seems cool. I mean, it's cool, but that was another, like, train the user, essentially. Because right. having someone to, like... Is this what I do? Do that mm-hmm. Do I pull? Do I just pull it? It's like yeah, I just, just pull just, it. Just, just do I stop? It's like, about to overflow. Do I stop? Do I stop? <laughs> I mean, what do I do? You're laughing, but that there's people. Seems like it would be a mess awesome. too. Like just clean up. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a mess. And then we just had some technical issues with like running that much gas supply to like distribute to all those different kegs. We came in there carbon going, monoxide poisoning. <laughs> just not no nit- nitrous, and everyone's just like. Wee. <laughs> but wow, we had one weekend where we were closed Sunday and Monday there, and we come back in there, and I don't know what happened. It must have like there must have been like some temperature flats or something. But basically, the line blew off the tank, and all the gas had just like. Oh, it was the kombucha. Hmm. The kombucha was so like overcarbonated that the line opened and kombucha was all over the inside of the container unit. All of the gas had blown out of the tank and into, into the into yeah. just the closed container. So we like opened it. It was like psh, just a sticky mess. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, besides that, though, I mean, it was an interesting trial. I mean, like this guy's never short of any ideas. You guys gonna write a book or something? I feel like. You've learned a lot. Um, I don't see. I don't see other. And I don't know. I'm foreign to the whole. I've never tried to start a coffee shop, but it seems like people aren't doing it the way that you guys seem to approach trying new things. Um, I don't know. I just find it really cool. Well, I mean, it's definitely been something like I grew up where like my beginnings in coffee were basically in like here's a model at what works, and then Nathan's like, here's what I want to do. <laughs> We're going to charge cars. <laughs> and then so we we're like slowly building this bridge between those ideas. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to do what's already been done. Yeah. What's the fun in yeah. that? So it's, I like just exploring and then figuring out, okay, what assumptions were made before? Why were they made? 
let's try to look at that. And that's really been the only re way we've been able to compete with companies in town who came in with a lot of money and we didn't start like that. We had to find efficiencies every single way. You know, we found the fluid bed roaster, you know, so this other type of way that was more affordable for us to get started, which actually was a better quality product. But like we just found those efficiencies by just kind of asking, why is it done this way? Is it just because it's the name brand or is it the best way to do it? You know, right. sometimes it is the best way to do it, but other times it's just you have these legacy companies that are just yeah. respected. I mean, because they've done a great job, but it doesn't mean they're necessar necessarily with the times, yeah. you know, making the best product. So I, I know that being in the coffee game, uh, there's more coffee shops and people selling coffee in this city alone than I can even keep. I, I mean, the competition has got to be insane. Have you guys seen more people come into the coffee space since you guys have been in business? Um, or is that just you the coffee the shops come about, and go? I mean, I guess anything. thing about beer, all the craft well, beer. Well, that's true. Too. That's true. So. Yeah. People love to drink a beer, though. Yeah, man. And they're less opinionated about it sometimes, in my opinion. Yeah. Coffee, their morning coffee that. is much more routine, and I think that's where you really have to solidify, like, what you're doing. Um, we've seen a few people, like, whether it's a coffee shop or, like, roasters in town that have come up. But, you know, we're in the mindset of just focusing on what we do and not really kind of worrying about, you know, every like, making sure our customers are happy, making sure our people that, you know, we employ are happy and whatever comes along with that is like competition that's friendly you know not yeah. really gonna worry about it yeah i have enough tasks on on my list every single day of things i'm focused on that i don't worry about what other people are doing you know i usually just tune it out sure yeah. i mean more power to you if you want to if you want to start something it's that's cool I mean, yeah. it's just really hard i mean that's yeah. the only thing that we can say is like it's just never it doesn't get easier you know, like well, the way you guys approach things is certainly not an easy yeah. approach either. <laughs> yeah, we make it hard. Yeah, we purposely make it hard. Self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. Cool. But you know, we're from Birmingham, oh, yeah, right? We like, go back to that. Yeah, we're from here. Like, yeah, I, did y'all live here before you guys started the? I mean, you said you were working at Urban Standard. I've and, only ever lived in Birmingham. I mean, okay. Y'all mentioned earlier you're from Chelsea, so I didn't know when the transition. Um, oh, well, going we, to school. We consider stuff. that. Birmingham, I guess. It's, you're in Alabama. Well, it's Birmingham. Everything's Birmingham. Our parents brought us downtown as kids. All these blue shows, like City Stages, the Sloss Furnace Birthday Bash. City like, there's this Crawfish like, Boil. Crawfish <laughs> Boil, the old one that was in Lakeview. Like, yeah, and there was like these blue shows at Phelan Park in Five in Southside by Dreamland. Like, we grew up in our. We went to a church downtown Advent. Like, we grew up coming to Birmingham. We rode BMX. Yeah, we rode BMX here. We saw like this city kind of was nothing. It closed at five on Friday. And then the weekends were just kind of like free for all. Like there wasn't anything to do. So in my 32 years of existence here, it's insane to see like the growth and what I can do as an yeah. adult here compared to like what my parents could do. Um, and then I guess we just always kind of like, I didn't really realize this, but it's just nice to kind of be a part of that, you know, whether I was Definitely, to do that yeah, music or business or, or what, you know. I mean, our, our great grandfather was a, stone mason so he helped build a lot of the different buildings in the city wow. you know so it's just kind of cool to see like his picture a picture of him and his crew like he didn't build the building you're in by 10 that would be too <laughs> crud, too much no but you know like that, that top of 31 you had that little monument in yeah. stavia yeah yeah like, the little pillars and yeah stuff. so like yeah. him and his crew built that and there's a picture of them really doing that wow. you know so it's just like yeah we're part of this history of this place that's that was cool. our great great grandfather James McIntosh, yeah. and then great grandfather was born literally two blocks from Satellite. 
Really? In Avondale. Wow. In Avondale. And so it's like when my dad told me that, I was like, oh, my God. I'm supposed to be like, here. This is so, what, what are we, oh, my God. But also, <laughs> this, it's, about, it's almost about creating, like, being prideful from being from this place because, like, growing up in – being like photography, doing photography and video production, any big jobs that would come to town, like in 2008 time, any role that was above PA was pretty much outsourced to an Atlanta person or a Nashville person. And I've talked to like our architect and stuff, and he's like, yeah, same, any big project coming to Birmingham, they always had to bring Outsource in it. an yeah. Atlanta guy. And mm -hmm. it's just like, Birmingham is full of amazing creative people who are from here, who usually have to leave to, for opportunities. So it's like, let's just keep building you know, the startup scene, the economy of Birmingham and build something that people want to be a part of so that we can keep having this really cool city. Yeah. So. Well, City Walk's coming along. I don't guess you guys are going to have a pop-up shop over anything involved in City Walk in any way. You may see us on our BMX bikes. Though. Yeah. Definitely going to get it back <laughs> oh, rolling. Yeah. That's, That's cool. been our dream since uh, we were kids. Yeah, I'm pumped about that. I, I know. I've talked about skate park pretty much every episode. Like, I'm so fired up about that. Oh, Alex is going to be there every day. I don't know about every day, but I'll be there a lot. I'll every see you day. Day. Sucking, but, you know, skating either way. Like the little pump track they're going to build. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty fired up about that. How's that cool. projector install going today? Well, it's going to take me longer than you expected. <laughs> right. It's like 1 o'clock. Yeah, i gotta, I got to cut out. i got some other <laughs> stuff i got to take care of. So talking about future endeavors, um, you mentioned, we took a little break a second ago, you mentioned, uh, and I, I don't want to say it wrong, Dawn Patrol. What what is this? Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. Dawn Patrol. The TV, Dawn. the kids' TV show. I saw. Not the kids' show. Okay. Dawn Patrol. So there's a community of you know people that like to do outdoor activity, like to do out outdoor activities, um, in the morning time. So like sure. cycling, surfing, snowboarding, things like that, skateboarding, things that um, you kind of want to be the first. To, to get there, you know, so people like to call that you're on dawn patrol. Okay. Um, okay. So it's basically, Nathan, if you want to like chime in, because you're yeah. basically the curator of this idea. But. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, if, you, if you're trying to get the first, uh, first tracks on the mountain, you know, you're up for dawn patrol because you want to be first chair on the lift. Um, if you're surfing, um, you want to be the first one out there in the lineup before the shoebies get out there and so ruin everything. I'll tell you a little bit. This, so dawn patrol is a partnership that, well, we formed a partnership with Kava Cycles. So we're opening Domestique Dawn Patrol in the new Kava Cycles in Homewood. Really? And that's going to wow. be in the beginning of November of this year. That sounds like a pretty cool partnership. Bikes and coffee, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it really fits with the Domestique idea. But then Dawn Patrol, the reason it's called that is because we're going to be serving breakfast burritos. Let's go, dude. And so, Let's go. Why not? <laughs> so this was formed on a time in my life when I worked with my cousin in Santa Cruz, California. He had a organic landscaping business. So his whole company was called, it was called Edible Landscapes. And everything was about low energy use, low water use, planting native plants or fruit bearing plants. Um, and so I'd work with him four days out of the week. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would go surfing. And then when you're done around eight, you'd, I would go to this place and get a breakfast burrito. Every, every time I would I do love surfing. breakfast burritos. Like, yeah. So that's right up my alley. Katie's not a huge fan, but. I, I eat breakfast awesome. burritos for dinner. What are you talking about? <laughs> they're awesome. So, you know, we really wanted. So that's been something that I've been trying to realize for a while. We wanted to do like commissary burrito idea and sell it at our existing shops. But then Cabo Cycles approached us and said, hey, why don't y'all do something with us and our new store and maybe our future stores if this, this one goes well. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a perfect opportunity. So what up. does that look like? Do you guys actually have a counter 
in there and, and just like much like what you have at satellite. Yeah. Same thing. Same, I, same concept. Same concept. Okay. Um, essentially, which is really good for us, you know, because we're segmenting the space that we're leasing. So our costs are lower, but sure. we have access to this larger space with a lot that holds a lot more users. And so we're also sharing our user base between, you know, people who are coming in for bike parts. Oh, I want a coffee or a burrito. I'm already here. Or somebody's coming in for coffee. They're then being exposed and getting awareness of the products that Kaba Cycles offers. Mm -hmm. What would the hours look like doing that? I mean, just like, I mean, pretty, uh, kind of cafe standard, probably seven to six, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., maybe a little later if we end up getting a, an alcoholic liquor license or anything. Yeah. And so like, and we might be open until like nine, depending on group. I was about rides. to say, are people coming in that early to get like bike parts? And, and stuff well, like but that? see, that's where you can blend the, the space of the retail uh, spaces. Yeah, okay. And so like those lights, they'll actually, I think, I don't know what time they open, 10 or 11, but yeah. their hours won't change. We'll open before them and they'll be like sure. a separation. Um, but I mean, you know, there's already a, a large group of people who use Kava Cycles as a starting point or an ending point for their rides. So mm -hmm. we're just going to help um, facilitate, you know, those those people's time. And so when you get done riding, you're going to be able to like come into our our shop after the group ride and maybe have a beer or something, you know, at the oh, yeah. Patrol and um, be also a community destination, right? So we're when we're talking about like what is EV, what is all this future idea? How are we building our locations to facilitate transportation? It's not just the car. You know, all bikes are basically being electrified. You know, you're having small format vehicles. Um, and when you talk about how our locations integrate into a neighborhood, we start becoming a community fixture. You know, we want people to ride over to our spot, you know, hang out with their kids, have a coffee, be a part of the community, go to the park, you know, start. If you're in your own town, don't drive. You know, no. we want to be a part of this. Like, what does a healthy life look like? You know, what does a good life look like? And it's it's spending time out of the car in your community with your family and friends. And I think we're going to help build, you know, something pretty unique in Homewood with this partnership with Cava Cycles. Where is the location going to be? Do you know where the old Jim and Jim's Auto Shop is? Or Nedu Furniture? I think it's how you say it. The dough, yeah. I'm Ed, picturing Ed's like the world. main dragon. It's Pet World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So know where that is. Behind that. Okay. So there's it's, so it's a little bit off the beaten path, like by one block, but also kind of makes a really cool private environment while also just being right there next to everything. You know, parking will be easy. You won't have to worry about when you back out getting hit by somebody on Main Street. No. <laughs> now, they used to have a location over at... Um, <clears throat> Right on the corner there, right across from like, there was like a smoothie place and like Subway, right next to 31. Weren't they right on the corner there for a long time? That was Bob's Bikes. That was Bob's Bikes. Okay. I'm thinking of Bob's Bikes. Not Which, I mean, Bob's Bikes is cool too. Yeah. Jason Bob's. Barksdale works there. He's awesome. But uh, you guys seem to be the masters of like partnering with other businesses and, you know, Hero and and Saturn. And then now, um, is this the first time you've done anything with uh, Cobb Cycles? Or have y'all had like friendship in the past i mean well, we've had friendship in the past yeah um i mean being cyclist yourself i'm sure you know everybody. we've had friends that have worked through those doors that have gone in and out of that location but i mean neither one of us have worked there or yeah. anything but. but this really is going to allow us to kind of realize our full vision of what it means to be like a domestic location you know really promoting cycling as a you know lifestyle 
because like our other shops, they're just not one satellite Saturn kind of defines the environment already. We're just kind of a part of that, which, you know, leads to this, that confusion about what brand is what right. in this yeah. space. Right? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Panache is this idea where we've still been trying to finalize our liquor license there, but it was supposed to be this idea of high end, like precision coffee and single, single grain, single origin spirits at night, you know, but in this really small format. So not really having the um, ability to integrate with cycling in that location other than just bike racks outside. So this, you know, this Dawn Patrol location is going to really allow us to start building on the, the cycling culture, like have bike races on because everyone who's in this shop is really interested in this subculture of cycling, which you can't say that about our, our other shops. Yeah. Now, is that for sure happening? That's like, that's going to happen. You guys will be in the new location and stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. Signed, signed the lease. We signed it. Was dealing with a lot of uh, build-out stuff today, this morning. So, okay. <laughs> that's awesome, man. You guys seem to be growing uh, exponentially, which is really cool. Um, surfing through your Instagram, I see that – what is your relationship with current cyclists? Because I see people biking what looks to be all over the world – here locally and everywhere wearing like domestic gear and stuff. Do you guys like sponsor cyclists or races or put on different events or what is your involvement with that? Michael slides into the DMs, <laughs> bike riders around the world. <laughs> Basically like, Hey, if I send you this t-shirt, would you mind taking a picture on top of the Hey, we have good coffee. Do you want some? Do you want some? We're going to send it to you. It's now, great, great um, marketing. We, uh, we do have one person who's kind of been, awesome for us uh, her name's sarah sturm she's she was basically on the come up about a few years ago when so she was kind of no one racing but she won the single speed cyclocross championship and so i follow the cyclocross race scene so i saw her is that here in the states or where does that take place uh main that's a there there is some in the states she won the national one here but it got its origins in like belgium and in the netherlands in europe uh because it was like the off season training kind of style of riding in like the pasture fields and like sand and everything you said cyclotron she's that second rider cyclocross cyclocross right there cyclotron so so (laughs) sarah was just in iceland racing um oh she's by the volcano yes the 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 eruption the the eruption the thing iceland just had like a massive eruption of their volcano is that it well, the uh, first picture, it looked like she was next to that the valley where it did. She okay? Yeah, she, she was racing. wiped out by a volcano. No, no, no. She's, it's she's, like a tourist attraction now. She um, survived. <laughs> so, like, look, you can see, like, we she has a, a custom domestique helmet wrap. Um, Sick. And so that's like connected to. I'm gonna need one of those. I do a little bit of mountain some biking. Some global myself, brands, you know. You know so yeah. just, I'll show y'all some videos afterwards. I'm pretty good. Y'all might want to sponsor me. We, we know yeah. some people. We can. Get I'm you on the come up. up. Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, dude, that's sick. Uh, the guy is that. Who's the cyclist right there on the left, the top left? Is that oh, that's Alex? our buddy Jason Salilis. Okay, Alex is his, his older, older brother. brother. Yeah. And Alex works for us. Um, yeah, they were like big into skating and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. they're the reasons. Their their dad Jay was the reason I got. I mean, that skate park in Vestavia. Yeah. I don't know. If, yeah, like, I used to work there. We worked. Oh, we both worked. did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was crazy. I was one of the bike guys that went there on Thursday. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. But, but yeah, getting into cycling, like we basically wanted, that's kind of how we've been relevant in cycling recently, just because we can't really do it in an extension of our places currently. That's why Dawn Patrol is going to be a thing. 
But I mean, we sponsor a few mountain bikers, like XC mountain bikers, um, a few like road riders, but they've, those all kind of came from more personal relationships. So sure. like this one kid, Jerry Dufour, who he was like 16 racing us and, you know, crushing us just like insane talent. He ended up going to this development team in California and now he started his own team. And I mean, he won the U23 national championship before the pandemic. Sounds like a big deal. And then he got 11th or 13th. I can't remember which one it was but in the overall national race recently. And so he's still seeing like growth and everything he's doing, but he's created his own team called the dirt camp Devo mm -hmm. team. And that's been cool. And one of his riders that's on that, there's this epic gravel race. That's like 136 miles that took place in like, I think San Jose or Sandy. I can't remember exactly. It's it was San Diego, San Diego. And, um, one of these kids on the team, he got second overall in this race. And essentially when they were doing the podiums, you watch it, they're like, we don't know who the hell he is or why he's <laughs> even here. Like, this is how you get That's your it. name, folks. This is how you get your name. The and Belgian waffle ride, that was it. Yeah, the Belgian waffle ride. And he ended up getting second with our, like, helmet, like, logo all over all these, like, Instagram stuff. And so that's been just humbling and awesome to see, like, on a national level that people are aware of. Not aware, but they see it at least. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still, that's awesome, man. To see you guys actively involved in, like, cycling in that way and, and – I know, you know, scrolling through your social media and stuff, like pretty much every other photo is like some cyclist or some location where somebody's cycling. So two go hand in hand. Really cool. Yeah. Got to stick with the name. The name's got to be relevant. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you guys aren't running your coffee empire, I mean, do y'all get out and, and try to ride and still? And... God, I wish you see this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last, I mean, we do, we try to ride as much as we can, but I mean, it, it's, it's honestly kind of, hard sure you know the last thing i did was the tour de cahaba which is a cahaba cycles like yearly event where they do a, a group a big old like group ride not a race but it's like a big group ride. hundreds and hundreds of riders go and they start in homewood cahaba cycles then you go to pelham to cahaba heights to trustville and back so you just tour all the different cahaba cycles and you can pick different routes like i didn't go i mean miles I was say, that's, that's a that's a long the, that's route. a the, super long the way. biggest one is 65 miles Okay, when I said, do you guys still cycle, I meant, like, do you get out and just, like, ride around the block? You know, I didn't mean, like, <laughs> bust out 65 miles. Yeah. Pump out 65 miles Barely. real quick. No big deal. Um, uh, yeah. we. I mean, that's – it's kind of hard for me to do – like, I've morphed into doing more commuting style because, like, bikes are what I love. Like, I got back on my tiny bike, my BMX bike, more recently. That's kind of more of what I've been doing yeah, since – Yeah, bust out some back Since I live in – yeah, just tail, whip, tail whips. and yeah. Tail up 900s. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just – I kind of I morph with what two wheels I ride mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like I've like I said, I've lived here my whole life, so I kind of got a little old, kind of tired of the the roads around here and just the cars. So I've started to do more of like commuting out to Red Mountain Park and doing loops out there on my yeah. gravel bike or riding up to the JCC. Um, they have like mountain bike trails up Dude, there. Dude, I've read about that, man. Yeah. So just the past like three or four months, I've gotten into mountain biking with my dad. And um, Zach's gone with us a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to find places. We go to Oak Mountain a lot, mm -hmm. um, obviously. And they built like a ton more trails than like my dad was surprised the first time we went out. He was like, man, when I used to ride, you know, they only had like Back X in number. my day. It wasn't that long ago. They only had two trails. They only had, like, they only had like X number of trails. And now it's like the mountain bike culture, I guess, just exploded, you know, and they've got mm -hmm. these national outfits coming in and building trails at the parks. Really, really rad. 
But all that to say, I was Googling, trying to find somewhere a little bit closer. It's about a 30, 45 minute commute to get to Oak Mountain from Mm -hmm. Birmingham. And I discovered there's trails out behind the JCC, Mm -hmm. but apparently you have to get permission to go ride them or can you just go out there? Or is there like a, is there a trailhead? Like where are you? There's a few different trailheads. Two wheels, no problem. For the most part, if you just roll up in there, no one's going to question you. Well, dude, I was reading online. They're like, you have to ask, or you may even have to pay a fee. I was like, well, I don't know know about that. Um, Don't worry, I'll. I'll, let's go right out there. Okay, I'll, I'll yeah, show you. yeah sick. I was trying to find some like YouTube videos, and there's, there's not, not a bunch. A, there's not a good way to get up there that isn't going to hurt though, because it's okay. you. You like essentially the trailheads all start Pop up a couple at, of fences. Well, just like you had to climb, you had to climb up to like Altamont School. Yeah, and there's not a flat way to get there. <laughs> and so I, I normally commute, so we're commute, like we'll commute from like Sixth Avenue, and then that's essentially as flat as it gets, and then you just go up all the way to the ridge where Altamont is, and there's, like, a little side trail that you can just follow, and then that takes you to, like, the main little central hub that you can split and go to a few different routes. Um, Some people show up at the bottom, but no one really has messed with you. No one messes with you. No one cares. The day I go, that's when the police are going to roll up. Do you have permission to be out here? Are you a part of the community center? No. Let's just say yeah and just pedal in there because they're not going to be able to follow you in there. (laughs) That's cool. Anywhere else to ride around here uh, that well, I may well, not know about? Uh, I mean, obviously, nothing, we've done the trails at, like, Tanny Hill. I was about to say, nothing terribly close. Awesome. Tanny Hill is awesome. Helena. Yeah. Helena. Cahaba River Park out in Helena, Cahaba River Park, yes. I don't know if you've been there. Those trails are so nice. We've uh, They're new. We've, they're smooth. Yes. Oh. That's, like, all new. Um, the dude at Redemptive Cycles that I bought my bike from was, like, he's, like, this is my favorite place to go. Taylor? Um, or D? Glasses. I don't know. D. I didn't get his name. Um, Regulars at Shout out to them. Yeah, they, uh, they hooked me up with a older 90s model mountain bike. Because yeah. I was like, I don't want to spend a ton of money, but I want to get something better than what I'd get at, like, Academy Sports, you know? Yeah, Redemptive is where it's at in terms of... That's awesome. Um, like, getting onto a bike, getting access to a bike, having someone in the community work on it, you know, affordably. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, uh, there's shout out to those guys. They were they were super cool and getting me on a bike. And Heck yeah. So I've been trying to explore mountain bike culture a little bit here the past few months. Um, a little bit. He was places. watching YouTube videos when I got here. He's like, check out these guys. They're building out all these trails. Yeah, I follow these guys. That... He's deep. He's in <laughs> it. Anyways, yeah. So, yeah, we'll hook up, man. That'd be yeah. cool. I'd no, like it, to go it, ride. It's rad. super fun up there. I mean, it's tight and technical, but what's not fun that's tight and technical? Sure. I <laughs> Sweet. Well, guys, thank you guys so much for coming to, to hang out yeah. and talk about your business and future endeavors. And um, I salute you for um, your ambition and uh, your drive to do things that I can't even fully comprehend. Uh, that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's, thanks for uh, listening to us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So uh, let us talk. Once you guys uh, grow into the empire that I'm sure you will become, we'll, uh, we'll have you guys back out. And we won't be Palpatines, don't worry. Okay. okay yeah. <laughs> Remember us. Remember us. <laughs> Sweet. Well, take it easy, guys. Appreciate it. All right. See ya.